0: Listening to First Church Charlotte. We are almost done with a rather long and rewarding journey through the Gospel of Mark, and I, as always is the case, I'm always overwhelmed with a passage of Scripture that I thought I thought that it was I, I kind of knew. Uh, the, the the shape of it, the outline of it, I, I felt like I had a handle on it, and then I go through it, and I humble myself to the scripture again, and I try to read it with fresh eyes. And you see things on the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the 19th time through that you never saw before, and so we are going to read in Mark 14, uh, verse number 66, now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and when she She saw peter warming himself she looked at him and said you also were with jesus of nazareth but peter denied it saying i what are you talking about you crazy uh actually said i neither know nor understand what you are saying and uh, he went out on the porch to get away from the nosy woman any of you ever done that do not raise your hand. Uh, I'm already in trouble for raising mine. And he gets out on the porch and the rooster crows for the first time. And the servant guard, the servant girl uh, sees him again and being quite the busybody, um, She continues. She begins to say again, this is one of them. And so Peter's like, no, not even, not even going to get into that. I'm not one of them. And a little while later, those who stood by Peter again, they say, surely you are one of them for. You are a Galilean. Remember, all of the disciples were from Galilee except for one. Uh, Do you remember who that one was? I have failed as an instructor. Judas, uh, he was the closest thing to an outsider uh, in in that group. Uh, They're all Galilean. Your, sh- your speech shows it. So uh, he begins to swear and curse. And he says, I do not know this man of whom you speak. The second time a rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice. You will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, Somebody saying when he thought about it. And when he thought about it. And when he thought about it. How many of you have ever had some things in your life that you thought about? When he thought about it, the Bible says he wept. He wept. So tonight I'm doing Peter's story. Uh, we will let this passage, this story speak to us. Before you're seated, smile at your neighbor. Say, if you'll say amen, the preacher won't go long. That's right. That's right. Amen. So, uh, let's see. Uh, We're almost done with the Gospel of Mark, and it has been almost two years of... Um, intensive study. We didn't do it all sequentially. We broke it up. Uh, but there is there it has been uh, the longest series I have ever done. And after this, I'm looking forward to a series I'm going to simply call First Church. And believe it or not, it's uh, going to be a little bit about us, but mostly it's going to be about uh, the First Church, uh, why they did things the way they did, what they were known for, what was the distinguishing marks. And to a lot of you, it will sound a little bit like foundations, uh, but i 'm wanting to develop a series that uh, is is essential to the whys of who we are and why we strive for that, and we 're just going to call it first church, and so you will hear it again, but you 'll hear it for the first time uh, going into the fall. Uh, Peter is a very unique individual in the in the the story of the the disciples uh, he is the guy with the most confidence in front of people. Uh, he is the guy who is the first one to uh, how shall we say project his personality in a social setting. Uh, most of us most of us are comfortable at a certain level of attention, and if you get us outside of that level of attention, it becomes quite painful to us. You've all heard the The statistic that one of people's greatest fears is to speak publicly. Uh, Sometimes you go and get a job that requires you to speak publicly. Uh, The first time you do it, it is a terrifying, harrowing experience, and you just feel as though that the roof's going to fall, and uh, you start having stress dreams, and a public speaking stress dream goes something like this. You wake up, you're on the platform, you're in bed, the whole church is there and you're in your underwear and you know, you need, I'm not kidding. You know, you need to, to teach or preach, but you're trying to figure out how you can get out of bed without flashing the whole crowd. That is a public speaking stress dream. It's uh, actually recurring and common dream. Whatever your platform is, you will have stress dreams as you develop comfort in public speaking. You will have stress dreams that involve some attribute of you being at the point of delivery and you're unprepared, you are undressed, you are in some way out of place or embarrassing to yourself and to others. Uh, but... Some people have an easier path to public speaking than others because of their personality. Uh, They have this natural affinity to projecting their personality. It's very comfortable for for them. Some of you experience it as acute pain, acute pain. Uh, I have asked any number of you to do things, to make announcements, uh, and you you just start pushing and pulling and, and fighting, and you break. Out in hives, and then you quit the church, and I have to call you up. Uh, I have, I have some of you. It's just the worst thing ever. Um, I've I've teased Michelle about firing her if she wouldn't make an announcement, and she said, "Fire me! I'm not going to do it." And so uh, uh, Tiffany uh, refuses to do anything. We finally got her up here with Charla up here. Uh, the point is, is, is I want you to see some people have a personality that's natural, projecting itself. Uh, Other of you will run as fast as you can from that moment of uh t- 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 spotlight, that moment of highlight of all the disciples, of all the apostles. Peter is the most comfortable stepping forward. His confidence gets him in trouble. It does, but it also is used of God. I want to remind all of you that your weakness and your strength may be linked and knit together in a way that only God can bring to completion in your life and your respective ministry opportunities in your respective witnessing opportunities, your strength and your weakness may be linked together just placed in different contexts. That's why you should be careful not to fall into this habit of hating things about yourself. Now I understand uh, if you're a procrastinator you hate that about yourself. Uh, I understand if you have a bad habit like eating sugar every time it's put in front of you you hate that about yourself. But anyway enough about me. (laughs) <laughs> um, I want you to see how stay calm, brother stay calm <laughs> and, and so, I want you to see how your your strength and weakness, so so it is with Peter. So it is with Peter. The Lord is going to use that boisterousness, but he is going to say things he shouldn't say. The Lord is going to use that willingness to step into a spotlight, but it's going to cause him to commit a certain type and a certain class of error. What he has to do, what it is incumbent upon him to do, is to recover from his errors, recover from his failures, and even when... When he has done the wrong thing, believe that God chose him on purpose. So the very attribute that may change you, that may may cause you to make a mistake in one context, might be something God can use in the other context. That's one of the reasons why none of you have permission to quit. None of you have permission to stop being used of God. None of you have permission to say oh that 's it i 'm done i 'll never forget growing up there was a uh, a gentleman who was actually quite talented in in, in uh, drama and the like and he had he wrote a drama for our church that 's pretty impressive right most of the time we find dramas, we buy dramas he wrote it, he produced it, and he enacted, and he was part of it and he did a great job uh, a lot of talent there, uh, but it took a lot of uh, shall we say, putting himself out there to do that, and although he had creative ability and he pursued that, what he did, had not had time to develop was uh, calluses. And so when somebody somebody laughed at some part of it, rather than saying, "Oh, oh well, you know, they if they want to do it, they're welcome to try," but in the meantime, I'm the one in the arena. I'm the one doing the work. It hurt him so much. He said, "I will never do it again." Imagine, and he's, he was and is a good person. But I want you to see how uh, you, you don't have permission to quit just because you made a mistake. You don't have permission to give up just because what was once a strength in this context becomes an embarrassment in this context. So before we go on, smile at your neighbor and say, You don't have permission to give up when things don't go right. Go ahead, tell him. You know you love Boston people. Go ahead and tell them. You do not have permission to give up. So here's Peter. I won't go through all his mistakes. Um, he, he's the kind of guy who, when in doubt, say something. This is usually a bad habit. Uh, when in doubt, don't say anything. Uh, in fact, when there's something to be said, you might should consider putting it off a few weeks before you say anything about it. Uh, but Uh, Because you know very few people have deep, deep regrets about things they didn't say. It's usually the opposite. Uh, so, so, so Peter has this inclination, but remember on the day of Pentecost, he's going to be the one who steps forward in the boldness of God's promise and God's spirit and preaches the first gospel message of the whole story of the gospel. He's going to be the one. God is going to use that. But he in this scene, this setting, this context, he really embarrasses himself and it, you know... His his mistake becomes part of the curriculum, shall we say. It becomes part of the Holy Scripture, part of the Gospel canon. And we all know about Peter's mistake. Because it all started when he had a disagreement with the Lord on what was the path that this kingdom of heaven on earth was going to take. Jesus said he was going to Jerusalem to suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests and elders. You guys know this. We've been through this. Um, Peter disagrees. Peter's like, Lord, you're, you're really making a mistake. Let me save you. Uh, and so uh, that's the, the, the very first seed of confusion and error that happened that will lead up to all of these other things. And so when they, they get to Jerusalem, uh, Peter now he begins to make these series of mistakes and and the first one is his proclamation at the uh, the Last Supper that even if everyone else denies you Lord I will not deny you what's the problem with this okay so you could make an argument that Peter is the guy speaking faith doesn't that sound like faith I will never here's the problem it's not faith in God it's faith in Peter your faith is is always misplaced when it's primarily based on what you can or can't do it's always misplaced that's why we are oftentimes shown in the scripture uh, the example and we're also given the instruction Uh, don't don't be too quick to say i'm going to do this and i'm going to do that but rather say if the lord wills it then i will do this then i will do that peter would have been perfectly in his uh rights to say i so much want to tell you lord that i would never ever do that. But I know you speak truth. And if you said it, that settles it. You see? And so he he starts this sequence. I would never do that. Though everyone else forsakes you, I would never do that. And so you know the story. Uh, when they come to take Jesus out of Gethsemane, Peter, um, he he actually takes the sword uh, that he is untrained in, in his hands. And, and you guys know the story. He smites off the ear of one of the servants of the high priest. And uh, the Lord fixes that situation, and Peter's kind of on the back foot now. He really doesn't know what to do, and he he goes from being the one willing to draw the sword to being the one who says, I don't even know Jesus Christ. And he, he has this tremendous failure, this tremendous sad failure, and he he is uh, in this moment of peer pressure, this moment of fear of his life, and he he, he really he just drops the ball really, really bad. And let me remind you of the ways that this can be taught. This can be preached. Um, You can say Peter ended up where he was because of laziness. I've heard it preached that way. I've preached it a little bit that way. Uh, He should have been awake in the prayer meeting, not sleeping through the prayer. Can I have a big amen? Um, If you're going into the trial of your life, you really ought to get yourself a nice cup of coffee and stay awake in Jesus' name. (laughs) He goes to sleep when he should be awake. So you could say that he was a little bit too lazy. Also, he had this this, this bravery that was fragile, and it was brittle, and it could have a moment of strength, and then it shattered into a thousand pieces, and his bravery turned into cowardness. and he's sitting in the courtyard saying, "I don't know him." You, you can say that, that he has allowed his fake bravery to turn into brittle bravery and shatter into a thousand pieces of cowardness. You could also Point out and i 've done it and i 've heard others do it that by allowing himself to be influenced by what the people around him were saying he exhibited the the, the the real nature of what it means to to be a victim of worldliness where the the people around you set the level of your testimony you see how that can that, that can be seen the people around you set the level of your zeal the people around you uh, the world you live in, your place of employment, if, if, you, if you're able to work in a place where all day long you can kind of be in your own little spiritual bubble and you're able to pick the music you play and you're able, let me tell you something uh, that's not most people's experience Most people live in a high-pressure, high-tension environment where they don't get to pick the music. They don't even get to pick the coffee. It is pressure, pressure, and they have to develop calluses between them and the world. And uh, I've been in both places. Um, I've worked in the church context, and I also spent uh, a good number of years uh, in construction. Uh, Construction is not a very spiritual environment. (sighs) Um, in construction, people don't know their cousin. They don't know they're cussing. You have to point out they're cussing. Uh, Diane's here back there. She used to. She was my office manager back when I was uh, had my company stuff going, and uh, she would deal with a lot of the guys that work for us. And at one time we had nearly. uh, uh, I think the highest we got was 27 employees. uh, About eight to ten trucks on the road, and she would deal with a lot of these people. And um, one day she was at a project over here off Monroe Road, and one of our uh, project managers was just cussing like a dog, just just cussing like a dog. And she had had it because y'all don't know this about Diane, but she's tough as nails. She walked around all sweet. Like, let me tell you, she'll shoot you with both guns. She does not play. And, um, and they're just in there blankety blank this and blankety blank that. And just, they they don't even know they're cussing. And she had it. She turned around. I don't remember what all she said, but she told them, Hey buddy, you better stop it. And he didn't even know what he had done wrong. He was like, what are you talking about? He said, I'm I'm sick of this potty man. Mouth you have going on around here. Uh, if you work in a place where you get to pick your environment, you are blessed, honey. You are bl- most people don't have that opportunity, and so here is Peter. He is he is being sucked into the context that's around him. You can point that out. You can see that about him. You can see the error that he makes in this moment, allowing everyone else to influence him. But I. I really, uh, praying about this and, and reading through the passage, and um, I know the ways I've preached it, and as a, as a Bible teacher, as a preacher, uh, every time I bring these stories to you, it's a personal goal of mine to try to bring something fresh, to try to bring something that maybe you haven't thought of, maybe at least not in a new, a long time. There's, uh, uh, we all agree there's nothing new under the sun, but uh, I feel like if I make a little effort, sometimes I can make it just a little different angle, and so I... I don't want to simply dwe- spend a lot of time on Peter's failure. I want to spend a little bit of time on that moment when he realized he has made a mistake. You see, so much of our errors in life are some result of us rushing along and rushing along and rushing along and rushing along, and then we catch ourselves. Personal testimony I had a lot of traffic coming to church tonight, it took me longer than normal. I had to go way out of the way to get to church, avoiding all this traffic, and I watched this guy, this, as a lady, actually, um, in this truck. We were waiting in line, and she ran all the way down, all the way down, and then put on her blinker to cut in, and it just, it was just like the devil. She, just like the devil... I wasn't thinking about my Christian witness. All I was thinking that I watched her run all the way down, and then she's going to force her way in front of me. That's the problem. If she would have put on her blinker, you would have seen the most beautiful Christianity. Don't you point your finger at me like I do that kind of thing. You know I would never do that kind of thing. And, uh, she, and she's going to try to force her way in front of me. That just brought out the devil in me. And, um... just pulled forward. Like, go ahead and hit my car. I like it, but I don't like it that much. Go ahead and hit it. We'll see who blinks first. I'm not thinking. I'm caught up in the moment. This is full transparency. Y'all talk bad about me later. Full transparency. Then she leans out the window and starts a conversation with me. Why won't you let me in? Point like she's going to force her way in. Oh, I talk for a living. You don't want to argue with me. I talk for a living. I rolled down the window. I said, honey, I saw you make a choice all the way back there to run all the way down here. And now you want me to be your sucker. I ain't no sucker. And you know what she did? She nodded like, yeah, you're right. You got me. You call my bluff. I did do that. I have to admit, I did do that. Don't look at me, woman. I would never do something like that. All the way down to cut it at the last minute. And you know what? The moment I got where there was no way she could pull in, I caught myself. And I said within myself, oh, great. By the way, I'm the pastor of First Church. Not kidding. Full disclosure. Transparency. Oh, yeah. By the way, I'm the pastor of First Church. My next thought was, thank God I don't have a church sticker on my (laughs) truck. This moment, hear me, this moment, we're rushing along, we're rushing along, we're responding, we're responding, we're responding. We're in a tense. We just got this and we got that and this. Let me tell you the most effective thing that the enemy will ever bring against you will not be spiritual oppression. It will be fear, number one, and distraction, number two. He will get you all with this stuff and you're worried about that and you got this over and you got this, all that. And there comes this moment when you catch yourself. Yes. And you think about it. And you weep. Now you don't weep about the lady trying to force her way in traffic. You just feel a little bad about that. But there's plenty of other things in your life where you catch yourself. So often in life, we we, we pray this prayer. Lord, what should I do? I want to do the right thing. I don't know what the right thing is. Well, you will know what the right thing is. Just not right now and then you'll have to live with it you see hindsight's 2020 this is peter but the rooster has already said morning's coming and the echo that haunting echo of god's time stamped prophecy i told you you would do it and peter goes out and he weeps So the Bible in another passage shows him weeping bitterly, weeping bitterly. He's not just a little bit, uh, I don't know, kind of down in the dumps. He is really broken in himself. And to continue in his story, I... I am going to tell you his story as a continuous set piece uh, rather than, than, than just moving past him. We all know what, what Peter does from this moment. We, we don't know the moment-by-moment the moment breakdown. Uh, we don't know how long was the process. But what, what Peter does after this failure is he goes back to what he knows. Now, in three and a half years of the Lord's ministry, he's been rebuked. He's been told off. He's been told to sit down and shut up. But not one time has he ever gone back to the old way of being Peter. But when the uh, when this happens, he goes back to what he knows. It's almost as though he says, look, I tried it. It didn't work out. Um, I am not who I thought I was. Uh, God's promise, it's not... Going to be manifest the way I thought it was. Everything is different, and he goes back to to fishing. And uh, you can read you can read these 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 passages. And uh, just for time's sake, I'm going to just tell you as a story rather than reading all of these passages. But um, there comes this all night of fishing, and uh, the Lord the Lord brings this this question to him: uh, Have you caught any fish? And <laughs> And so you guys know the story, the Lord's prepared breakfast and um, here they come to the seashore. Jesus is going to have this conversation with, Jesus, with Peter. Um, there's one thing I want you to see here that I think is easily missed. It, it usually is only seen it's usually only seen if you have some knowledge of the Greek New Testament. Uh, and if you were to read this passage, uh, these, these scriptures in the Greek. Uh, in the English language, we use the word love quite, quite normally and quite, quite evenly. Uh, love is love is love. Now, in the Greek language, there's stages and kinds of love. Uh, there is God's love, agape. I preached about this recently. Um, that's un... Uh, <laughs> Unconstrained um, love that is really a God thing. We, 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 we don't really have a whole lot of that kind of love. We, we may strive for it. The closest thing would, of course, be probably a mother with a child. But even that is not really agape love. Agape love is something we experience through faith in God. It's not something we offer so much. Um, it's a rare person who can suffer continued abuse without having it affect their love. Um, they that love will begin to change into something. It may change into sadness, may change into regret, may change into anger, but it will not just be unconditional for as far as the eye can see. Pain changes all of us. Can I have an amen? And so, uh, agape is God, godly love, but uh, the love of a friend uh, is. Uh, is a different kind of love, and it's a different word in the in the Greek language. And it is it is, of course, that that philia, uh, love that is de- denoting or in, uh, speaking of of friendship, not unconditional love. So here is the scene, and I want I want you to see it. And so I'm going to, rather than uh, rather than simply. Read you the words in the English translation. I'm going to do the word switch for you. So, uh, the Lord's made them breakfast, and the Lord the Lord asks him this. He says, uh, "Peter, do you love me?" And um, he says, "Peter." Do you agape me? Do you unconditionally love me? Are you committed to me, my call, my purpose, without reservation, come what may? Do you agape me, Peter? And uh, Peter, (laughs) hmm, Peter has just had a really bad experience making claims that he can't keep. Do you see? And so the Lord says, do you unconditionally love me, Peter? Peter will not say the word agape. Peter says, I, I I love you as a friend. But. Jesus asked, do you love me unconditionally? Are you committed to me come what may? Are you willing to go where I send you? Are you willing to give everything? But Peter is not in the mood to talk beyond what he can be sure of. He's already learned the hard way. How easy it is to make promises you can't keep. How easy it is to make claims you can't back up. How easy it is to think you're strong and discover you are very, very weak. And he will not say, I got you and so he says, "I filios, you, I love you as a friend, Lord." So that's the first interaction. And Jesus, of course, as you know, you've have you've, you've all been through this passage. Jesus says to him, uh, "Well then, uh, if you love me as a friend, feed my sheep." Uh, the second time, Peter, do you agape me? Do you? Do you have unconditional, unconstrained, sincere love for me that no matter what happens, you are willing to go where I send you, do what I tell you, and serve the kingdom for which I have ordained you? Do you agape me, Peter? Peter, he can't say it. He, he, he has just gone through a heartbreaking circumstance of making claims he can't keep. And so he says, Lord, I, I filios you. I love you like a friend, Lord. Uh, I love you like a friend. Now, agape is the word used in John 3.16 for God so agaped the, the world, unconditional love. Peter cannot bring himself. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Uh, I, I, I just am not feeling confident, Lord. I, I want to believe That I will serve you unconditionally. But I know how easy it is for me to make these big statements that I can't back up. And so, Lord, I I love you as a friend. And for the third time, Peter says... Uh, Or Jesus says to Peter, uh, do you agape me? And this is where Peter surrenders. And there is great power and great wisdom in surrender. We do not have to make claims of self. All we have to do is cast our cares upon the Lord. Let me make a confession to all of you. I don't know if I'm strong enough. And it's okay. Does that make sense? That's ever so, I become ever so much stronger in that moment than if I stood here and said, I can take it, I can face it, nothing's gonna stop me. I understand the faith response of a statement like that, and I say that to myself, and I speak that in prayer, but I want you to see the moment, oh, hallelujah, I feel the Lord right now, maybe it's just for me. The moment I say, God, I don't know if I'm strong enough. I don't know if I'm smart enough. I don't know if I'm wise enough. I want to be. But I don't know. You know what I just did? I laid down my strength and I stepped out on the everlasting arms that are underneath everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. So I've come to tell you, if you're going through a tough time, the answer to tough times isn't tough talk. It's throwing yourself wholeheartedly upon the promises of God and saying, Lord, if you will keep me, then I'm going to be kept. And if you will strengthen me, then I'm kept. Gonna be strong, and if you will anoint me, I am going to be powerful. But if you don't build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Peter ends up right where he should have started. Lord, I don't want to deny you. I don't want to deny you. I want to do everything in my power. And if you'll make me strong, I won't deny you. He finally arrives at the realization that when we are weak, then is God strong we don't get victory in our life by gritting our teeth and trying to force ourselves like some type of a spiritual drill sergeant no strength is not in some type of a a driving force drill sergeant hammer deity that tries to make you and scare you no 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 that is not where strength comes from Strength comes when I first perhaps find myself walking in in, in shallow waters, but I don't stay in my shallow waters. I go a little bit deeper, and now there's waters to wade in, and I go a little bit deeper, and now there's waters up around my neck, and I go a little bit in pretty soon. There is a great rushing flood, not of me, but of God's strength, and I find myself swimming not in my tough talk, but in God's promise and at God's anointing. So it's okay to feel weak. You were never strong when you felt strong. (laughs) But he's still strong even when you feel weak. It's okay to acknowledge the smallness of where you feel you are at right now. It's okay to acknowledge that. As long as you don't stop your song on the part that says I'm troubled on every hand and I'm afflicted and everybody hates me and I'm going to go out in the garden and eat worms. Okay, that's your song. You are good at singing it. Not quite as good as me, but you are good at singing it. Don't stop the song on the reality of your trouble, on the reality of your weakness, on the reality of your difficulty. Keep singing and say, Lord, you know if I'm going to make it. And if I make it, it's going to be all because of what you've done for me. You know that I can be strong. And if I'm strong, it's going to be because you made me strong. Oh God, Peter, can you see? It's not about your declaration. It's about your dependence. And so, Jesus, this third time, says, feed my lambs. I want to end with this. Musicians, you can come. Uh, So, whether or not uh, you you see this interchange and you see the Lord's spirit, Spoken purpose to Peter in response to the zeal of Peter's heart. Do you love me? Do you agape me? Peter's like, uh, 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 that's, that's a high bar. I don't know if I can say that, but I, uh, I, I, I filios, I can, I can do that, Lord. Okay, if that's all you have to offer, this is the plan for you. Feed my sheep. Do you see? Can you come a little closer, Peter? Can you walk a little closer? Can you stand a little taller? Can you do a little bit more? Can you open your vision to see? Can you believe? Can you trust? Can you agape love me? I don't know if I can do that, Lord. Um, I can phileos love you. I don't want to talk tough. I've learned the hard way about talking tough. (laughs) I can phileos. I can do that. The Lord said, okay, well, if, if that's what you got. This is the path of purpose. Feed my sheep. And lastly, <laughs> if you do rise above, Philios, the love of, of friendship, and you do get to the unconditional love where you will give everything. I want to point out here, and I'm almost done, and we're going to pray for a moment before we go. The, I want you to see that uh, at this moment, when Peter surrenders, And he he quits trying to proclaim what what he's going to do. Uh, Maybe he becomes stronger, you would say. I believe so. When he stops relying on his determination and, and just trust in God, trust in God's knowledge. And the Lord says, feed my lambs. Here's the thing. At no stage of our Christian progression is the work of God primarily about us. I know that's difficult for some people. I, I understand that. Um, a few years back, a church researcher, uh, quite famous, quite famous church researcher, um, he actually <clears throat> did a, his name was uh, Dr. Wen Arn, and he did a survey of over a thousand congregations. And he, this is about 20 years ago, I believe, when he did this. And he asked both the members and the pastors of the congregations, what is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church? And uh, he reported that <clears throat> 89% of the members of the church said the purpose of the church was the care of the members. 89%. And when he asked the pastors of the church what the purpose of the church was, 90% of the pastors, so about the same amount, 90% of the pastors said the purpose of the church was to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. So when they surveyed the people in the churches, 90% said the purpose of the church is to meet our needs. 10% said the purpose of the church is to influence our society. They interviewed the pastors. 90% of them said the purpose of the church is to influence the world, influence our society, to, to reach out. And 10% of the pastors said, uh, my responsibility is to meet the needs of the congregation. Um, you see the exact opposite. If you do anything in leadership, you will feel that. Uh, we have uh, our Wednesday night crowd. A lot of you volunteer in ministries. A lot of you are a part of our core uh, uh, team that makes ministries happen. Uh, the, the the team that makes the dream work. You guys, A lot of you guys are part of that. Um, you feel that. You feel that. Here is Peter. <laughs> and he's... Shall we just say it? He's, he's kind of backslid at this moment. He, he's just he's, he's fallen off the wagon. He's, he's back where he started. And the Lord's saying, look, if you love me, get busy feeding others. Get busy loving others. Get busy ministering to others. If you love me at the level of a friend, feed my sheep. If you love me at the level of agape love, feed my sheep. Yeah. Feed my lambs. Do you see? That is one of the reasons why it is. uh, we, We really miss the great opportunity of this kingdom of heaven until we have a vision for what God is doing in other people. And so if all you do is start today, lifting your eyes up to see what God is doing in other people, uh, if that's where you start, I promise you, that is where the kingdom of heaven is going to take us. That is where the kingdom of heaven is calling us to where, wherever we are. Whether we are struggling to just kind of have that filios or whether we have attained agape love. The answer is the same. Serve others. Because in the economy of heaven, the way to be rich is to go give what you need away. Do you need encouragement? Go encourage somebody. You'll find that you're encouraged. Do you need love? Go show love to somebody. You'll find that there was a river of love in you that you were blind to. Do you need someone to help you? Go find some way to help somebody and you will feel rich in your spirit because in this kingdom, if you want to be used of God, if you want to claim love for God, if you want to claim just mild love or major love, the answer is still the same. Feed the sheep. Feed the lambs. This is the path. And this is what I want to end with. Peter does this Peter actually ends up at that level of I will give you all he doesn't end up where I love you like a friend he ends up with, I will give you all. And that's why when he is crucified, uh, there's no hesitation on his part. He even volunteers for the more difficult pain of crucifixion where they, they do it a different way. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stunning thing to think about, his, his zeal. He ends up with the love that says, I will give you all. But at the side of the seashore, all he could see in himself Lord, I love you like a friend. I've been humbled, Lord. I'm not who I thought I was. I'm not big time. I thought I was big time. I'm not big time. Lord, you know. Let me not stand upon my proclamation. Let me stand upon your promise. You know that I love you. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704 445 5353 We pray God's richest blessings to you Come worship with us